his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to level up your financial game? Let NerdWallet guide you with smart strategies for lasting success. Get savvy tax planning pointers to maximize your savings, money-saving travel tips for your next family getaway, and investing insights like how a 529 plan can help you send your kids to college. Unlock the key to saving to help you earn more money. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you in 2024. I'm so excited for this half hour because Dr. Mark Seeley is joining us. He is a climatologist, extraordinary one, discusses the impact of climate change on nature, society, and what the future holds after this this year's summit um, at the CO. Uh, I'm going to get this right because I looked it up. I was so excited about this summit, COP26 summit. Welcome back, Mark. It's so great to have you, sir. Oh, it's good to be with you, Gerilyn. Thank you. Let's begin with the difference between a meteorologist and a climatologist. I get asked that quite often. Oh, (laughs) a meteorologist is more about the current state of the atmosphere and what's in store for us tonight and tomorrow and in the days ahead. A climatologist is about the historical variation in weather and the geographic variation in weather. So how the weather is different from point A and point B going back in time. And so a climatologist is more of a weather historian, and a meteorologist is more of an analyst that looks at the current conditions of the atmosphere and talks about the future for forecasting what people should wear or uh, things of that nature. Right. So a climatologist can look back at the history of the atmosphere for like 30 years, correct? Oh, yes. In Minnesota, Gerilyn, we have records that go all the way back to the 1850s, believe it or not. My goodness. Really remarkable. What are you seeing today? Um, now, as a, a climatologist, you are studying. You are, you are the one that can tell us what you are seeing happening, because I see it in my neighborhood. I see it um, in parks and, um, and at the rivers. If you go to Minnehaha Park or something, you see certain changes, and you don't know how to define it. You don't quite know what it is. It's just different from 40 years ago. Oh, Absolutely. Uh, The two features of our climate in Minnesota, and this is true for much of the mid-latitudes, so it would apply to uh, Central Asia and Europe as well, is we're getting wetter year by year, and we're getting warmer. And uh, embedded in that signal are two other important things that I'm sure we all see in our own backyards from time to time, and that is changes in extremes, so that we're not just getting wetter in terms of average annual precipitation, but we're also getting wetter and we're seeing a character change where we get big precipitation events more frequently. So like the 4-inch rain, the 5-inch rain, the 6-inch rain, etc., are coming more frequently than they did in the past. 
And uh, so we see that in our rivers and streams, our lake levels, the fluctuations in our lake levels, and a whole bunch of other things. And, uh, and then the warmer temperatures, there's a little bit of a seasonal bias that we've talked about a lot in Minnesota, Geraldine, and that's that the winter season is warming faster than the other seasons of the year. All seasons of the year are warming but the pace of change in the winter season is remarkably fast. What does that mean to us? It means for the southern half of Minnesota, it means kind of a loss of the traditional winter recreation, uh, the opportunities that people in earlier generations used to count on in terms of cross-country skiing, or uh, building those outdoor ice skating rinks, doing outdoor hockey all winter, or uh, any number of other kinds of outdoor activities that were associated with winter recreation. The southern half of the state, that's now become kind of intermittent because we have warmer temperatures and we only have intermittent snow cover instead of constant snow cover. It's really, it's really something to watch um, and unfold. I remember a few years ago, in fact, more than a few years ago, when you know, friends of mine that love ice fishing. <laughs> I don't even know where oh, they yeah. are anymore. But you know, you couldn't go out on the on the lakes because it just wasn't freezing fast enough. It just, it took us longer to get those houses up because the ice came later. And you're absolutely right. In, in fact, the trend has been for later and later. We, we used to be able to put ice houses out and auger the ice and do the ice fishing in November in many, many places. Uh, in, a, in fact, in a couple of recent winters, we haven't been able to do so until early January. That's how late we've had to wait for the ice to be safe to go out on. So the COP26 summit in Glasgow, uh, Scotland, made clear that this summit that just took place was the make-or-break climate summit. How do you feel about that, hearing that? Because we've been hearing from so many um, of the experts that said, no, we've got another 20 years or we have another 50 years before this is going to go awry. But it's going awry now. Indeed, it was uh, disappointing uh, from the standpoint of many scientists like myself, in that earlier in the year, the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, came out in their assessment declaring a state of emergency with respect to responding to climate change and that we needed to gear up and be more aggressive about it and set more aggressive targets, do more policy negotiations, and move at a quicker pace because the pace of climate change is so extreme. And Although there was some movement in that direction by some of the parties, that is, by some of the nations at that conference, uh, there wasn't unanimous movement. And uh, that's disappointing because it's, it's difficult for scientists to declare literally a state of emergency about something, but that's actually the kind of condition we find ourselves in. We have to quicken the pace. We, we have to quicken the pace of both our adaptation measures to adapt to these changes and our mitigation measures to slow it down and even stop it. And the science is there, the knowledge is there, but we just have to act on it more aggressively. 
Okay, it sounds so clear. We've been hearing the clarity, but no one's acting on it to make sure that it's working. You said that it's taking its dear time. I don't understand why all the countries in the world, that the entire planet is not calling out and screaming. We have moments of that, but it doesn't continue. Like climate change is showing in towns all across America and across the world. Like a little town in Virginia, I read an article about it. They're dealing with a plague of armadillos. Did you read about that? Yes, yes. Yeah, and I remember yeah, there's, years there's, ago. Right. No, I was just going to say you pointed out something very important, and that is the climate niches with climate change, the climate niches that are developing and the migrations that are occurring of invasive species, both in our water systems and our land systems. Exactly. So when when people see this, they think, oh, they're just armadillos. It's not that big of a deal. There's the one bounty hunter that's going after him. I remember when Melbourne, Australia had an outstanding run of mice. I mean, it was gazillions of mice. It ran yeah. people out of the out of the country. Um, what other cities are you that you know of that are showing signs of climate change today that are extremely obvious? Well, we had, uh, for example, earlier this year, we had the New York subway system completely flood. Remember yeah. that? And they had to yes, close sir. it down. Yes, I do. Um, we had the little community of Lytton, British Columbia, record 121-degree air temperature, and then the next week burned down by wildfire. So they not only set a new all-time temperature record for the entire country of Canada, but the next week, the poor little town burned down. Uh, we, we had a 30-inch rain in 24 hours in central China, which flooded out millions of people. Uh, you know, not a 30-inch rain in the tropics like a, uh, a hurricane can deliver. Mm -hmm. A 30-inch rain at a mid-continent latitude, which is just almost phenomenal. Imagine if we had a 30-inch rain here in Minnesota, what it would do to both our natural resources as well as our infrastructure. Um, so there's all kinds of things like that happening, and it's all being cataloged now at such a pace, uh, it's, 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 it's just head-scratching to me why we aren't convinced that we need to move more aggressively to adapt and mitigate what's going on with respect to climate change. We are seeing, for your listeners to, to take this in context, we are seeing a pace of change in our climate over about a 10 or 20 year period that, that corresponds in total change to the type of change that would occur over thousands and millions of years. So see, the Earth the earth has compressed all that into just 10 or 20 or 30 years. And that's a hard pace of change to keep up with. Okay, so our society is being affected by this, obviously. Our culture and the country, everything is changing. How we go, how we do, how we move, everything is changing and it's changing quickly. Are we paying attention? Are we getting the information we need to prepare for this change as it is happening? Right. Well, there is more widespread coverage. Uh, there's plenty of scientific literature for people that want to get out there uh, and and uh, read read some of it. There's some there's some great you know. Um, Paul Hutner has the Climate Cast uh, going on the radio. We also have several podcasts devoted to climate change. We have uh, all kinds of journals, scientific journals. Now we have the Journal of Climate Change. 
So we have all kinds of things going on. What I see that's encouraging me in our own backyards, Gerilyn, is in Minnesota, we have organizations working uh, on behalf of the people, and we have at the local level, we have municipalities, communities, watershed districts, public utilities, uh, pu- uh, transportation departments. We have all of them responding to climate in kind of hidden ways that we don't always see. But there's people out there that care about our community that are putting forth a lot of effort right now. And I hope that'll filter up to some of our politicians, to be quite frank. Final question. We have about 30 seconds. I apologize. What is the next step? Where do we well, go we from have here? To- we, we, we have to keep the climate change agenda on the front burner. I know we all have a lot of worries. We have a lot of uh, economic disparity that causes a lot of problems, and we have all kinds of other, of course, we have the COVID situation. We have a lot of other things. But on a daily, daily basis, we have to keep talking about climate change, and we have to keep advocating that we, if we want to preserve our community, we've got to keep moving forward and we've got to start to quicken the pace that's going to help us adapt and mitigate this change. And uh, we, we just should all be for that at this point in time, as much as we can be. Dr. Mark Seeley, uh, climatologist, thank you so much for joining us tonight, and I'm grateful to God that you are on the planet. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you, Gerilyn. Okay. All right. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone. Whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to level up your financial game? Let NerdWallet guide you with smart strategies for lasting success. Get savvy tax planning pointers to maximize your savings, money-saving travel tips for your next family getaway, and investing insights like how a 529 plan can help you send your kids to college. Unlock the key to saving to help you earn more money. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you in 2024.